Good morning, Mission View Church. If you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with us to Proverbs 24. Proverbs, the 24th chapter. I was feeling good about my skills. I was feeling real good. Brooklyn and I had just purchased our house, and the first purchase to go with a new house was my new television. And so I scoured the internet. I went into all the big box stores. I, I did more research on what my television would be than I did on where I would go to college. And I was just scouring brands and models and features and price points that I liked. And, and this, was, this was a really, really, really important decision in the course of our lives. And so I finally narrowed down on the TV that I wanted to buy. And then I, I was, was looking all over and I, I found the best price online. And just as I was getting ready to purchase it, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to another website, and I'm going to try to find something just, just to see, just to see. And so I, I went on to eBay, and I'm like, they're not going to have it. You know, I don't, I don't want anything used. It's got to be new. It's got to be sealed in the box. I don't want anything refurbished. I, I want something brand new. I, I'm, I'm probably just wasting my time. And I, and I went on to eBay, and I scoured the site, and there it was. The TV that I was going to buy from the other site, only it was $225 cheaper with free shipping. Yes, sir. And so I purchased it. And, and I was just riding this high. Here I was, the, the financial steward of the family, and I'd saved us $225. And, and I've got to try this more often. And so we just, around the same time, we'd just gotten an iPad for, for Brooke's birthday. And, and so I got her an iPad. And of course, with the iPad right next to it are all the overpriced cases and accessories. And I'm like, ha, only a fool would buy that. And so I decided I would take my skills. And sure enough, sure enough, I went on to eBay and $30 less $30 less than what the price was in the store, I ordered that case. And then I kept track in the mail. And of course, when, when you get the free shipping, they, they send it just the slowest possible way. It starts with FedEx, and it goes from like New Jersey to Columbus in a day. And then it transitions to the United States Postal Service, where it sits in Columbus for a week, and they just do nothing with it. And then it takes them two days to get from Columbus uh, to North Canton, and then three days to actually deliver it. And, and so I finally saw that it was delivered, and I run out to the mailbox, and this is what I find. The only problem is this is the iPad. And this is the case I ordered. See, apparently it was $30 less because it was an iPad mini case. And it doesn't fit the iPad that we have. Okay. Not everybody succeeds every time. And so we have this computer. It's only like a year and a half old. The battery was already dead on it, and we ordered a new battery only to find it wasn't a battery problem solely, but it was a charger problem as well. Go to the store, want 70 bucks for a charger. <laughs> I got this. I know I messed up. I messed up on the iPad. But I, I've got this. Remember the TV. 
remember the TV. And so I go on to eBay, and I see the universal computer charger, and I order it. And it arrives, and here it is, and it's still wrapped. Why? Because it doesn't work. The universal charger had a disclaimer on the bottom, except for use with HP laptops. Anyone want to guess what kind of brand of laptop we ordered the charger for? So we make observations all the time in life. Sometimes we just go through life really quickly. Sometimes we're just trying to save time, save a little bit of money. We just try to make really quick observations. And sometimes in that process, the things we think we see, the things we think we discover, turn out to not be the case. Sometimes we need to look a little more closely at the fine print. Sometimes we need to see that a universal charger is universal for everything except what you need it for. Sometimes we find that the case that we really need needs to be a lot larger than the case we actually ordered. But sometimes in life we make observations that are dead on. And this morning as we look at Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 30, we're going, to, we're going to journey into the topic of laziness, and we're going to see that oftentimes the observations surrounding laziness are obvious. This morning as we dive into verse 30, here's what we read. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Now here he is. He's out on a journey. He walks by a field, and the defining characteristic of that field is that the man who owns and operates that field is a sluggard. He is lazy. This is the immediate observation that comes out. Just from surveying the property, he can tell. It's obvious. He deduces from there that if, the, that if he passes by and he can tell that the field is that of a sluggard, as he goes by the vineyard, he deduces that the man lacks sense. The man lacks sense. He equates laziness to foolishness. He equates laziness to foolishness. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. See, his conduct here defines him. His conduct or lack thereof defines him. He sees, that his, he sees the field. He sees obviously that the man is lazy based upon the condition of the field. 
And then the defining characteristic of this man is that he's a fool. All of this is deduced from the observation on a journey as he travels by. He goes by the field and he is able to deduce laziness and foolishness because laziness equates to foolishness. The great novelist Nicholas Sparks in his book Safe Haven wrote, Maybe I don't want to be defined by what I do. Maybe I'd like to be defined by what I am. Love that quote. Would love to give you more context, but that would require me to read a Nicholas Sparks book, and that's just not going to happen. So we'll just take the quote on face value. I could have taken it completely out of context. I don't know. Love the quote. Not going to suffer through that novel. Maybe I don't want to be defined by what I do. Maybe I'd like to be defined by what I am. But might I suggest that when it comes to laziness, the lack of what you do can define who you are. He's on a journey. He goes by a field and deduces from just that journey the man is lazy and he's foolish. And behold, he was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. And its stone wall was broken down. See, the immediate observation led him to see the problem of laziness. It led him to conclude that the man was foolish. And now there's further, there's further inspection. The primary observations led to the conclusion, but now there's further inspection. And might I suggest that in life, we would be, we would be well served if we didn't go off just our primary observations. That if we took our primary observations and then we made it a habit to do further inspection, on those primary observations. That leads us to a greater story. It leads us to a more complete picture. It leads us more oftentimes than not to a deeper truth. And here he is. He goes off the primary observations and now he inspects this property further and what he finds confirms his primary observation. It was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. And its stone wall was broken down. So the further inspection reveals that this is indeed a case of laziness. Weeds can pop up instantaneously. But they don't overgrow things with thorns immediately. The ground was covered in nettles. Trees shed. But they don't cover instantaneously. It takes time. It takes a buildup. Walls crack. They don't break down in 
convinced him. See, this is habitual. And what we have to understand as we, as we look at laziness is there is a difference. There's a difference between laziness and rest. Rest is something that God has given us. Rest is God-ordained and a God-given gift and mandate. Rest refreshes. In fact, a lack of rest oftentimes leads to laziness. When we don't take the proper balance, when we don't create the proper margin in our lives to rest, and we just continue to work, 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 and we don't have that margin, there comes oftentimes a breaking point where rather than find the refreshment that rest offers, we become so tired that it gets to the point we are not rehabilitated. And without that rehabilitation, without that rest, we break down. And the breakdown can lead to laziness. Rest needs to be a regular habit of your life. You need to have a day off. In the Old Testament, we see that God commanded his people to take a Sabbath. To rest. What does a Sabbath require? It requires us to remember that God is in control. It requires us to remember our standing with the divine. And when we lose sight of that, when we don't build in that rest into our lives, we allow breakdown to happen. And oftentimes the end result is of, of breakdown is not refreshment. But it's laziness. Rest refreshes. A lack of rest leads to laziness, and laziness destroys. It destroys. It only makes problems worse and compounds. It never benefits. Laziness destroys. It only makes problems worse. It compounds upon them, and it never benefits. So, how can we tell how can we tell if where we are in our lives, if, if we're at a position where we need rest or if we're lazy? This isn't a perfect science, but might I suggest the following. That if you lack energy to do things you naturally love, if you lack energy to do things you naturally love, if you have trouble focusing, if you're easily annoyed and have a short temper, if you're tired but you can't sleep because your mind is racing. You need rest. You need rest. You need a Sabbath. You need to vacation. You need to get away. You need to turn it off. You need to turn off your phone. You need to stop answering emails for a while. You need a break. You need to recharge. 
you lack energy to do things you love, you have trouble focusing, you're easily annoyed, have a short temper, and you're tired but can't sleep because your mind is racing. You need a break. You need rest. On the flip side, you might be lazy if you constantly procrastinate. If you know what needs to be done, but you just keep pushing it off. If you generally feel apathetic. If there's just a general apathy in your life. And you just don't care. Or if you complain about the situation that you're currently in, but are unwilling to do anything to address your current situation. You may have a problem with laziness. You may have a problem with laziness. You procrastinate. You're apathetic. You complain about your current situation, but are unwilling to take any steps to better your current situation. You may have a problem with laziness that needs to be addressed. Pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. Now here the conclusions are drawn. Notice the process that he took in order to get to the conclusion. Observation. Further inspection. Conclusions. Observations. Further inspection. Conclusions. Be careful when you draw conclusions. Be careful that you've done your due diligence. Be careful that you've really looked into the scenario, into the situation, into people's lives. Don't be immediate in drawing conclusions. Take the extra time. It will benefit you in the end. It will benefit you in your personal dealings. As you're dating somebody, generally not a good idea after the first date to decide I'm going to marry you. Not saying it never works. It can. But more often than not, maybe you should just slow it down a little bit. In business partnerships, on the surface, the company looks fantastic. They have an HR department to make sure that they look fantastic. On the surface, the candidate looks fantastic. They've spent hours forgetting all of their failures and sharpening their accomplishments on their resume. Make sure your HR department does their due diligence in looking at that candidate. When you decide where to go to school, every school recruits the best-looking, intergender, internationality people that they can find, put them on the cover, celebrate their diversity, even if it's really 0.02%, they're there on the cover. 
really dig in and decide, is this someplace you want to spend the next four to eight years of your life, depending on how, how serious you are in your studies? You're going to buy a house. Look at the neighborhood. Don't just walk through it once and say, this is it. We're here. If you're willing to take the extra time on the front end, it will save you pain on the back end of decisions. If you're willing to take extra time on the front end, it will save you pain on the back end of decisions because you get a more complete and clear picture. And that is part of being wise. Do your due diligence before drawing conclusions in life. Rely on observations. Then do further inspection. And then draw conclusions. You ever had somebody come and, and tell you something that happened to them? Maybe they were the victim of something. Maybe somebody mistreated them. And you hear their story and your heart just breaks for them. And you think, how can somebody else be so callous? How can somebody else be so stupid? How can somebody else live with themselves allowing this to have happened? And then you ask to meet with the other person. And the story completely changes. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yet if you just go off observations and you make up your mind, you never have the benefit of truly discovering the other side. Make observations, inspect things further, and then draw conclusions. That will make you a better counselor, that will make you a better doctor, that will make you a better juror. It will make your life better, and it will make you a wiser person. Observation, inspection, conclusion. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. And notice what the wise do. They learn from the unwise. They look at the result of the unwise and they learn from it. They learn not to emulate it. As you're teaching your kids, Teach them this process. Show them the benefit that can be learned from looking at the lives of people who do not follow the mandates of God's word, who make poor choices. Show them the end result. Show them the heartache. Show them that oftentimes, when people live lives contrary to biblical truth, the end result is anguish. It's heartache. Don't insulate them from that. 
train them and teach them. And similarly, you look. You see the path, the result of the unwise, and you learn from it and don't emulate it. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands. To rest. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. See, this is where laziness starts. It starts with letting your guard down. It starts with letting your guard down. A little sleep, nothing wrong with it. A little slumber, nothing wrong with it. A little folding of the hands to rest. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's mandated by God. The Sabbath. See, on the surface, laziness looks like a problem where you just don't do anything. And that's so deceptive. Because what laziness actually is, laziness is actually a problem of overindulgence. It's a problem of overindulgence. Overindulgence of rest. Overindulgence of video games. Overindulgence of hobbies. Overindulgence of your TV show. Overindulgence of self. On the surface, laziness looks like it's a problem of just nothing when in actuality, laziness is overindulgence. overindulge. It starts small and is sourced in things which bring us pleasure, escape, and comfort. But those things which bring us pleasure, escape, and comfort, while in moderation, are a benefit to us, become a drug. And it becomes a drug that we keep going back to and back to and back to. And we get high on the pleasure. We get high on the escape. We get high on the comfort. And in the process, we lose sight of that which needs done. Because we find benefit. We find our joy in those escapes. And that pleasure. And that escape. And that comfort. And what happens is rather than have a proper view of work in our relation to God, which is what a Sabbath brings, we allow those things which bring us pleasure and escape and comfort to become more important than God. And we elevate them. live off the feeling that it provides. It starts small and it starts good. 
But this is why perspective is so important. This is why margin is so important. Because we allow those things to spread like wildfire. And they begin to consume. And they take over our lives. We become lazy in the process. Because we let our guard down. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. And this is the result. This is the result. Poverty is a result of laziness. But laziness is not always the cause. Let me say that again. Poverty is a result of laziness, but laziness is not always the cause. And we would be well served to remember that. This is why it's so important for us to make observations and then to further inspect things before we draw conclusions. Because if we believe that everybody in poverty is lazy, then we draw wrong conclusions. And we become unsympathetic jerks in the process. And if we're not careful, what we do is we minimize Jesus' command for us to go and to take care of the poor, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. And we look and, and, and we're so quick to say, well, if you would just get a job, you would be able to eat. And in some cases that's true, but that's why it's important that we, that we look and we do observations and then we further inspect situations before we draw conclusions. Because while that's sometimes true, it's not always true. And not everybody in poverty is in poverty as a result of laziness. But understand that if you, if you are lazy, the end result is poverty. And so for those who are in poverty, you need to ask yourself some tough questions. Is it because you're lazy? Is it because you're apathetic? Because you procrastinate? Because you hate the situation that you're in? But you're unwilling to take any action to address it? Those are tough questions to have to ask yourself. But you need to. And for those of us who aren't in poverty, as we interact with those who are, we need to ask those same questions. Are they here as a result of just their unwillingness to do anything about it? Or were they not blessed? With the same incredible blessings that God has given me. 
the same benefits I've had the privilege of experiencing. Coming from a good family. Being born in the United States. The ability to read and comprehend. See, it's so much easier just to categorize. We have to be careful. And if we're going to really influence our world, then we have to love the poor. But as we love the poor, we have to be smart in how we go about it. And there's the importance. Making observations. Inspecting situations further. And then drawing conclusions. So for those of you who are lazy, you have some questions to ask yourself. For those of you who aren't, you have some questions to ask about those who are in poverty. You also have to look at your life. How's your margin? Do you have rest built into your life? Because what rest enables us to do is it enables us to find joy in our work. And to remember our standing with the divine. That is how we can maintain a healthy balance. And if we maintain a healthy balance in our lives, we set ourselves up for success in our work, in our family, in our endeavors, in influencing our world. And so that's our challenge. For those of you who are lazy, the challenge is for you to rediscover the joy that God gives you when you utilize the talents, gifts, and abilities that He's given you. And you utilize those in a productive capacity. You have a purpose. And for those who aren't lazy, to make sure there is a regular period of rest in your life so that you don't bring burnout upon you. You have that margin. And then as you utilize that which God has blessed you with, as a result of your hard work, that you make observations, that you draw conclusions after further inspection. You help people who are in poverty, revealing to them the love of Jesus. That's the church we need to be. And so it all starts 
observations, further inspection, and then acting upon the conclusions we draw in our own lives and the lives of others. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to be people who draw wise conclusions. That we would be people who truly do influence this world. That we would see those in poverty and we would be obedient to what you've called us to do. God, that we would not be lazy. And for those who are, who are struggling just with that overindulgence of, of things that have brought them comfort and ease and pleasure. God, I pray that they would rediscover true joy and a right relationship with you. In conducting themselves and their lives in a way that you would have them. That they would rediscover the joy and utilizing their talents, gifts, and abilities. And God, for those who are anything but lazy, I pray that you would just convict in their hearts the need for them to find margin, to build time, to focus on their relationship with you, and to rest and to breathe, that they would not be overwhelmed, that ultimately, God, we would lead rewarding lives that would magnify your name and bring you honor and glory. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.